welcome back to A Chance to Strive, and I am your host. Normally, y'all only hear from me and that's it, but I do understand the fact that having multiple perspectives is definitely needed. And especially with a lot of the topics that I talk about are more about self-love, relationships, relationships in terms of the bonds you have with people in general, not just your partner, of course. But today, we're going to be introducing you guys to someone I've known since seventh grade or something like that. And this is the part where I'm going to let you introduce yourself, talk to the peoples real quick. Hi, I'm Pamela V. I'm an actress here in Boston. Um, I've known Chance since we yeah, we were in the seventh grade. Um, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. <laughs> no, she, she she normally you know she tries to make it look like she's not an interesting person, like she's boring. You know. But. I mean, I am kind of boring. That's all I do. I mean, I am on TikTok and uh, YouTube, but like, exactly. I'm I don't have a big fan base like you do. <laughs> it's a little slight. All right, so today basically we're gonna kind of like. I didn't want to make this too tailored to anything, but there are a few other topics that I've spoken about on my podcast, and I think it'll be beneficial for you guys to kind of get her perspective on it. Not only the fact that, one, I'm a man, you know, she's a woman. That right there sets the way we look at life very differently, whether we were similar or not. And I know for a fact that although you guys do appreciate my point of views and everything that I have to say, I know that the more perspective you guys get on certain things, the better. The whole point of this podcast is for mental health. And at times, I can't relate to every single person, which means I'm not necessarily able to help. So by bringing you guys more than one perspective, I'm hoping we can do a little bit more of that. Okay, so basically, we're just going to start off with like talking about like how we kind of know each other. Like, yeah, we said it was high school. I said high school, middle school and stuff like that. But damn, what does that even talk about how we've known each other in high school? It's like... One, the main thing when we talk about doing this episode, right? She was one of the girls that were like probably not popular, but her name was known. And I told her this is like, you were one of the more attractive girls at the school. And she was like, what? No. I still don't believe you. How? Because I never viewed myself like that. Still don't. I, I knew that I people knew my name and knew who I was mainly because of the guy I was dating. But oh yeah, we ain't gonna say his name. We, 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 <laughs> that, you know. I think that was it. I did not find myself. But people knew your name before then. When did you even start dating thing? Uh, tenth grade. Wait, we have to give him a name because I'm not gonna be saying thing the whole entire time. Because uh, at a certain point, we do come back to that talk. You know, like for like the relate like toxic relationships and stuff like that. Come up with that. Just, just give him a random name. I, I don't know. Michael. <laughs> okay. How does Michael sound? That sounds right. good. <laughs> Once we get to that talk, Michael is not a real person that we're referring to anything like that, but that's just okay. going to be the name we use. Like, y'all know, I don't ever, I don't think I've ever done a podcast episode where I've name dropped a single person. So just we going to keep, we going to keep it that way. Yeah. yeah. You feel me? It's like, I ain't chopping nobody's business out there. Whether or not we figure out maybe his name deserves to be dropped, but mm. you know, things improve, people change and everything right. like that. And it's been a while, not that long, but yeah, y'all, 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 were together for a minute. Um, but yeah, it's just like okay. One thing that I feel like a lot of people didn't realize, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of my social media, do you think that it's really that different from the shit that I really did back in high school? No, like, social media, absolutely not, bro. No one's surprised that you are where you are today. <laughs> we all saw this coming, and I think I don't know if you remember this in senior year when we were filling out like, who do you think will do stuff in the future? For like a year, our yearbook. Yeah. One of the questions was like, who do you think will be famous after high school? And I put you. Ah. I literally put you. I vividly remember writing your name. That's fucking <laughs> insane. And 
Now look at me with my little clout of social media. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling y'all this is just like, I know a lot of the times, like certain things seem a lot, like seem pretty easy and I can do it naturally, but I promise you it's years of practice, years of bothering her and <laughs> your little Bessie Jamila with these random ass stories, making shit up on the spot. It's just like, this has been my personality for a while. And I guess that's why it doesn't surprise certain people. But then again, it's like, I never even seen myself doing anything like this realistically. Really? No, like going into college, I deleted my social media that had clout. Like I literally deleted my Facebook with all my following and everything like that. Started fresh. Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, I generally was like, you know what? We're going to pick a new path. We ain't going to do this. TikTok comes out. Everybody's like, your chance. This is like the perfect app for you. <laughs> you know, like, ah. And I was dating someone around the time that kept on getting me to try to do it. I didn't do it. Stopped dating that person. Started dating someone else. And then they, yeah. I don't think she still watches my stuff. I know she's, I know she's mentioned that she's proud of where I am today because I, the most ridiculous shit I seen a I seen a TikTok that that girl made. It's like I wouldn't even refer to her as an ex because we didn't date officially, but a situationship ex, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I seen a I seen a video she made randomly pop up on my TikTok, and it was like, you know, remember that thing? It's like go little rock star. Yes, I remember. Yeah, that and it's, like the the caption was just like when you see when you see your ex finally becoming the social media influencer he's always wanted to be. That was cute, (laughs) but I'm not going to lie. The part that makes no sense, this is the same girl that told me don't do social media. Mm. She she was a little insecure at the moment. A lot of things are going on in mental health. I completely respected that because it's just like, I didn't want to put her in a situation where she constantly had to be worried about the competition that she had. Like, I know like, her lack of self-worth, lack of self-love, a lot of those things didn't make her seem like the best option for, honestly, anyone. And me gaining clout, having attention. She knew that my personality would fit on this app. And she was like, if you do TikTok, we're breaking up. Oh, wow. But then to be the same person that's like, oh, I'm so oh, proud of I'm you. so proud of you. Ugh. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> But the thing is, all it showed me, to be honest, I wasn't even hurt by it. I was just kind of like, I see your progress. And it generally made me happy for it. I think we spoke for a little bit after that. But at a certain point, you realize there are certain chapters in your life you're just not supposed to revisit. It's not even that she was toxic or anything like that. It's just there was nothing left to get out of that chapter. But... Yeah, it's funny how a lot of some people will literally like not invest in anything that you're doing, not even wanting you to do it. But then when you make it, they act like they're supportive of it. My entire family. <laughs> yeah, but it made me feel happy. I'm not going to lie. I was just like, stop it. I think I had that video saved in my favorites because it's just like, I would randomly go back and look at it like, like look at me, look at me doing some shit. You said, right, what it be able to do? Find it. Kind of talk about your development as a whole in terms of have you always wanted to do this? So pretty much... This part is the part where they get to know you and you can kind of like talk about your progression, why you wanted to do the acting and where that started. Okay. So the whole acting thing started very young. Uh, I probably would say seven years old was probably when I knew that I wanted to be an actress because I was a big Disney kid. You know, I, I loved watching Disney Channel Nickelodeon, but I never was the type of girl that would just watch something just to watch it. I would love to know the behind the scenes, like the actors. And then like when I found out like what an actor actually was, like that person is not who their character is. I was like, you're 
kidding me, right? <laughs> like, what? Like, I was watching um, an interview. One of the actors that played in H2O, you know, that mm-hmm. mermaid show, yeah. She was talking about her character in, like, third person. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? You are her. Like, and then when I find, mind you, I'm, like, eight years old. Yeah, so and you then, think the person you see on that TV show, that whatever person. character they have, you think yeah. that's them. So then when I found out that, like, no, like, they train themselves to be, like, completely different person, I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> Why did that make it so intriguing, though? Because, I, I don't know, I feel like... I don't know, just the thought of being someone else is kind of cool. Not in like a weird way, but just, I don't know, the way that you can just change your emotions and have control of your emotions just mind blows me. So that level of control that you were kind of intrigued by. Honestly, I think one thing is like, of course, I don't care about being an actor. That's not my goal. That's not my dream and stuff like that. But at a certain point, it was like, I'm not going to lie. You saw it was like, damn, I feel like I could do this shit. I feel like, I was like, I feel like I'm creative enough to be a different person on the spot. Because at a certain point, I'm not going to lie. It's like, before I matured up and stuff like that. When you're spitting game with girls, it's... Oh you can, <laughs> bro, I, I would know how to present myself as whatever I wanted to. Like, I understood what people look for, the little mannerisms and stuff like that. So, I would say some... It very much was a manipulative thing. Okay. But, you know, it was a gentleman being manipulative. You know, it's like I was I was at that age where it was expected to me, expected of me to be on some fuckboy shit, you know, and uh-huh. in high school, everybody thought that of me at a certain point. Guilty. Yeah. Guilty. Yeah. And it's just like, bro, people wouldn't even know what I do. That's the funny part. I never messed with anyone at the school. There were girls like, of course, I had a, I had a very flirtatious I was one of them, by the way, just to let y'all know. Shit. I was, I, was trying, I was trying to keep that out there. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, I was a very flirtatious person Yeah, you growing were. up. I think my personality became like very much more dialed down because I understand women a little more to know when to not give off those signals because I don't like the idea of people thinking I like them and I don't even give a fuck about you. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I was very much very flirtatious and... Honestly, I think that was one of the biggest things. Like, as much as people didn't like that in terms of, like, the people I'd be with and stuff like that, that shit has helped so much. Because me being hella flirtatious to y'all, even as a joke, it's like, I'll see how y'all get to react. I'll see what's not to push and stuff like that. And it was just like, it was cute. Because, like, y'all knew for a fact. It's like, that was just me. And, yeah, it was like a cute dynamic. And wasn't Jamila my little wife at a certain point? Yes. Yeah. I vividly remember Jamila was my little <laughs> wife. And then at a certain point, Janelsa was my school wife. Oh, my God. I ain't going to lie. You know, I bet everyone is some of the more attractive girls. So the fact that they were my school wives, I'm proud of that. And they but, like he couldn't stand you, but go off. Who? Jamila? <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> Listen, Janelsa, till to this day, uh-huh. loves me. Okay. Okay. Right. You know, Jamila. <laughs> I had fun bothering the fuck out of her. Yeah, like she knew that. I'll be like that. I'll be like her little reactions. Like, but it was just like I don't know. I like the fact that it's like I had certain dynamics with certain girls, and just like they respected the fact that that was just me. But mm-hmm. y'all knew for a fact I would never be overly like I knew my limits. Like I would never try to make him feel uncomfortable, like, touching wise, a little poke on the shoulder, but anything. That's true. Yeah, it's just like, there are just certain things I just very much understood. Because it's like, I cared about y'all niggas as friends, even though I would flirt with y'all and shit like that. But it's mm-hmm. just like, so I would never want to make y'all feel uncomfortable or anything like that. But, nah, that's, honestly, high school is very much fun. And I think that one of the biggest parts of it 
was the fact that I had like a lot of female friends that I really fucked with. Because the guys at our school, let's be honest, it's just like don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it's like the the school we went to growing up. So I guess it's like it, it wasn't the greatest school at all. Okay. The people there weren't the greatest nope. at all. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just like I feel like Tech Boston was very much. They had so many different little cliques. Mm. Yeah, it's just like, but then you stuck with Jamila a lot, so you didn't really wasn't yeah. like. I had my little breakthrough group, like people I ate lunch with every single day and stuff like that. I don't know. I feel like when you're in high school, those are the things that kind of make it worth it because there's mm-hmm. not really that much to like about high school at all. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the one we went to, like there's fights happening twenty. There was fights happening twenty four fucking seven. Like I very much went to we very much went to a school that was chaotic i think i think, I think it. it got worse by the way it got 10 times worse I, w- yeah. I went back to visit and i seen mr love getting cussed out by like an eighth grader oh for yeah. the people that don't know mr love is our principal who passed away mm-hmm. rest easy but yeah it's like a grown man getting cussed out by a girl and it's like the middle of the hallway it's like that was kind of the reason why i stopped wanting to go to that school it's just like same thing i said about like certain chapters there's nothing left for you so it's like when i went back to that school it was just ass. Like, it got Literal worse. Ass. And once he passed away, a lot of the teachers left. Like, a lot of the caring teachers left. Like, Mr. Yang's not even at that school. He kind of left, I, I think, a, a year or two. Leave. Yeah. yeah, he leave. literally told us, it's just like, the way some of these teachers would look at the kids and the way they really cared about helping them, he just didn't necessarily appreciate that. So he kept the pushing. And now we can actually... So basically, this was more like an intro type thing. So we'll get into more, like, very direct things. Um, the very first thing I want you to touch on is... ADHD. I will take a step back as I'm not someone who deals with this and pass it on to someone you guys can relate to. So literally just talk about, I kind of, I'll give you a little more guidance on that. Just kind of talk about your ADHD, how it's affected your day to day. And then you can talk about insecurities, self-love and how that plays a part. Okay. So the ADHD is actually something that I didn't tell you, but I just recently found out that I had ADHD. I've had it my whole life, but I just figured out what it was. Um, probably like a year and a half ago. It was when that's when I was like, okay, this is ADHD. It runs in my family. Shit. This is why I've struggled so hard in my life. Like school. I never understood why school was so hard for me. Like, I just couldn't focus, like, at all. Even though, like, I was a straight-A student. That, that was mainly because my parents would beat my ass if I didn't <laughs> come was home. Grade. But I just couldn't understand why I couldn't focus. Like, I remember back in, like, second grade, I just was always the kid that always got, like, Fs, Fs, Fs. I never, like, focused, never cared enough. And I was like, holy shit, it's ADHD. It just doesn't let me focus at all. Um, there's also times where procrastination is like a huge thing like it gets to the point where you're just like okay well you already exceeded the amount of time that you said you were going to do something now fuck it let's we're not doing it anymore forget it like and then i feel bad and like literally cuss myself out i'm like why are you doing this and then i don't know it's a lot of back and forth with yourself it's so bad but yeah um there's also times where i'm home and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get something done. And then I start doing that thing. And I'm like, wait, I should do this. And then I I do that thing. Mind you, it it just keeps going. Like, okay, I'm doing something. No, let me do this. Let me do that. And I never finish what I started. Like All over the place type shit. It's so bad. But compared to my sister's ADHD and my mom's and my grandfather's, 
I'm the most normal. <laughs> Theirs is extremely bad. What does it look like in case someone's watching it? In case someone's listening and theirs is more on the extreme side. What have you seen when it's like 10 times worse? Um, a lot of fidgeting. Like you just can't for the love of God stay still. Like every muscle of your body body just moves. Like when I was working in the pharmacy, I had a customer tell me like, oh, I can see that you have ADHD. Like you fidget a lot. Like even if like you're looking at me, I can see your eyebrows moving. Like stuff is just always moving. So that's something I noticed, especially one of my friends, I was talking to her and she has ADHD too, but hers is like on another level. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, like you can just see in a person that like they just can't stay still. I know that's so like uh, I don't know the word, but like that's so easy to say. But no, like for real, they cannot stay still. <laughs> like, it's so bad. But yeah, I'm still learning about ADHD. So like it's it's still kind of very new and fresh to me. And I don't think it's something I want to take medication for because I, I don't want to because I was on medication for like anxiety and all of that. But I stopped because I just didn't want a pill to have control over me in that type of way. And I know a lot of people disagree, but that's kind of how I'm going about. I'm just taking it one day at a time. Yeah, I think overall, it seems like a hard thing. To, I'm not someone who deals with this. So of course, this is just outside perspective. I don't want you guys to take this as anything factual. But I think it's just like something that affects you, not even on a day-to-day basis, but literally on a second-to-second basis. And you're trying to be in control of it. I think that's very much something that could possibly be draining because it's just like yeah. you deal with this every single day and then you're and every single day you're trying to be in control of it every single day you're trying to not let it be something that can easily be seen by people you don't want it to be something that's distracting to where you're at and stuff like that and it just I think one thing I've heard about ADHD and stuff like that it's like the idea when you do try to be in control you're not it's just the fact that your brain starts running a thousand miles a minute okay. it's just like the moment you kind of like get a grasp of being able to all right i'm staying still now you're trying to focus mm-hmm. so much on that that's what i'm saying it's like a second a second basis because i've seen certain people where it's just like they have adhd and the moment they stay still they literally have to keep thinking about mm-hmm. staying still for that to happen that's what i'm saying you could just look at a person and just tell like, or else it literally shit. just takes over and yeah. you see the fidgeting start and they won't even like especially the leg thing won't even realize they're shaking the legs and it's I've, I've seen some people with ADHD and they talk with their hands a lot mm-hmm. and it's a way to kind of like normalize the idea that I need to fidget but I'm gonna do it in a way that seems normal believe it or not you do that too <laughs> yes. yeah I kind of like picked up on that real quick like I'm not nervous anymore this is just this is just me yeah, this is just fidgeting type <laughs> shit. like you could just tell like a person's mind just running on a hundred like for me I could literally be talking to you right now I'm not doing it right now though I'm in control <laughs> but you could be talking to me and I can be thinking about what I'm doing tomorrow. Like I paying attention. I'm nodding my head, but I'm not listening to one word you're saying. And at times you're not even in control of it. It just happens and you kind of have to happens. like call yourself out of it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I, I've never had to, I've never had to take medication for anything, but the idea of taking medication in general, I feel like as much as people tell you supposed to help, I feel like a lot of times to a lot of people, all it really shows you is that you're not in control of yourself. And I feel like mentally that's like a hard thing to Mm -hmm. grasp. And especially when some of these medications, I don't know what it's like, especially for ADHD, but in terms of like depression and everything like that, what it does, it numbs you. 
So it's like part of yourself that you're used to dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And every time you take that medication, it's not just like I was helping. It's part of you isn't there anymore. And I feel like that's a hard thing to kind of grasp. It's like, how is this supposed to help when it doesn't make me feel like I'm at 100? Mm. And that's why I was just like, I always, it's like if you have to take medication for something to help, I'm never going to sit here and tell someone not to do it. But I definitely do understand the reluctancy of wanting to do these things because you're no longer in control. So I think at times it's just like people need more tips and tricks than medication because there are certain people that have ADHD or that have depression, anxiety. They can manage it, but they just don't understand the best ways of going about that. And a lot of the times you go to the doctors, the simplest shit is just oh, giving yeah. you a fucking prescription instead of telling you, hey, if you have ADHD, this probably helps. These are, I like. Even breathing is like you you can look up tips and tricks. It's like how to breathe to actually calm you down. There are so many different breathing exercises that you can do. But someone will get offered medication before they're even given access to any of these things. So I think it's just like medication should be something where it's kind of like, ah, it's too extreme and I really just can't help it at all. But even people like you, I'm pretty sure you want you go to the doctor's bus some shit like that. They'll offer you medication if you were willing to take it, even if you don't necessarily need it. If you have a need for it fuck it you gotta do what you gotta do to be straight but if it's not a need and you can manage this and you're okay with yourself being this way i think that's like the biggest part if you're okay with the fact that yeah i fidget so what fuck it yeah sometimes my mind will randomly um i'll randomly lose track of what the fuck i'm thinking about or even during conversations but these are things that people deal with on a regular day basis but the difference is people have control over it it's just more of a reaction that kind of happens with someone with ADHD. so it's just like I think there are better ways to just go about things instead of just offering people medication. Because I know so many people with depression or have been diagnosed with depression, ADHD, anxiety, and you don't necessarily see it. Why? Because they've learned how to work with it. And I feel like a lot of the times the option to learn how to work with yourself isn't something a lot of people are willing to teach you. Mm -hmm. Um, We can talk about insecurities and self-worth. How has ADHD or depression and anxiety played a role in that? Oh, I could give you a perfect example because I went through this yesterday. Ah, fuck um, it, let's get it. <laughs> let's see. For me, I guess, like, my depression is always that, like, little voice on my shoulder that tells me I'm not good enough, I'm not going to make it in life, what I want to do in my acting career, I'm not, I'm not going to be the next Zendaya. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and yesterday I literally spent like the whole day crying because I just felt like I'm not beautiful. No one's going to view, view me like that. No one's going to see my talent. And like, I always had that thing that you said to me that day on the phone where you were like, oh, you can be on this, all these films. But if you're not getting like that view, like if that specific person's not viewing it, then what's the point of doing it? Yeah. I'm like, oh, like now I got to go on my way and, and look for these like big productions. I don't know. It's like. It's a lot of back and forth yeah. with myself, and it just that stupid little voice literally brings me down every single day, and it sucks. Like, yeah. For real. I think one thing that I've realized when it comes to self-worth and insecurities, a lot of the times we judge ourselves based off what we've accomplished mm-hmm. or based off the things we've done in life. And I think that's like one of the worst things when you're someone who has big dreams. Because the thing is, you know what your future self would look like. You know this mountain you're trying to reach, which is there's barely anybody there because you want to do something so extraordinary. And now you have to compare yourself 
to where you are currently. Someone who's very much very far from that hasn't accomplished some of these things to get to that point. And when you kind of judge yourself based off your success, what you've done and where you've came from, Mm -hmm. that little voice in the back of your head is thinking about this dream that you have. And it kind of constantly compares it to, I'm so far. I'm still this far. Mm -hmm. I'm still this far. It's very hard to kind of like focus on how far you've came. And even when you focus on how far you've came, it's like, yeah, that gives you a little mental boost. It's like, yeah, I've made it pretty far so far. Mm -hmm. And then the next second you got to think about shit, this is where I want to go and this is how far I am. And it's just like, (laughs) it's me. And I think, yeah. And I think it's just like, it sucks because I do this too, where it's like, I kind of judge my self-worth based off the things that I've accomplished. Luckily for me, it's just like, I've been able to accomplish certain things that I never even dreamed about doing. So that for me was kind of like, it's a great mental boost because it's like, I'm like, damn, I never even thought I could do this. And it kind of just happened. Now I'm here. So I always have that to go back to say, yo, bro, look at yourself like five years ago. You were in high school, not giving a fuck about any types of social media, just making random content for the point of it. And now you're at a point where you actually have a platform. People rely on you for certain things. Mm -hmm. But even then, I think about where I want to get to. I want to have this and that. I want to accomplish this. And whenever you're realizing that you may not accomplish these things, it sucks. Even if it's just like, it doesn't mean you're not going to live a happy life. It doesn't mean you're not going to be happy just because you don't accomplish these things. When you're someone who constantly chases the next accolade to try to keep your mental health at bay, mm-hmm. when that next accomplishment doesn't come and you have to sit there and realize the fact that you're in the middle of the process and you haven't accomplished much, it fucks with you very much OD. Like someone who's in college, you're in your second year, and let's just say graduating is that thing that's going to make you feel great about yourself. Well, it takes time to get to that next thing that's supposed to help your mental health. So for me, it's just like, I don't know the answer to this yet or how to get out of that mindset, which I'm currently trying to. But I've realized that is one of the quickest ways to be depressed. If you're going to not like clinically depressed, but I think just getting into a depressive state because I don't want to disregard people who are very much uh, clinically uh, diagnosed with this but I feel like it's so easy to get into those depressive states or slumps when you're constantly judging yourself based off what you've accomplished because it's not going to be like your trajectory for wherever you're going it's not going to be consistent there are times where you're going to be steady and you're not going to move anywhere so it's just like you really just have to find a balance between like where I'm at and being content with that, but still finding a way to not be complacent because you know there's so much more for you to achieve. But yeah, it's, it's, it's it sucks. Hard. And especially the fact that you deal with things that force you to think about these things. I can't even imagine just how much harder it is. Because even for me, it's just like, like I said, I've gotten to certain points where I didn't even think I would make it. Like if I'm thinking about myself from like a third world country moving here when I'm 10, I ain't thinking that this shit was possible. Yeah. I could have done any of this. But I'm here and still, that's not enough. And I think that's one of the things people have to just realize, which I can tell you. It doesn't work if you're constantly chasing the next accolade to be happy. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure when you got, you were, you probably had depressive states about acting in general, right? Yeah. Does it, do you, did it change the moment you got your first gig, the moment you got your first yes. role? It made you feel better. But after that. I was like, damn, what's next? Exactly. See, it's this idea if you're waiting on what's next. The thing is, when you have these big dreams, you have to understand there is always something next. It's like for you, you want to be an actor. You want to be in these big films. Mm -hmm. 
can you really say anything you do within the next two years will make you feel good enough to not have to worry about that anymore? Probably not. I feel like there's always something new that's going to pop up and be like, oh, well, uh, it's, oh, it sucks so bad. And people who don't go through it, which is what I understand. Just won't, bro. It's like, it's this idea that you, you can't even be satisfied with what you've accomplished because you're always thinking about just how far I need to go and, promise you if you're the person that thinks this way it doesn't work for long like while you're let's just say you're on a streak like you're doing a lot of shit and you're really accomplishing so many different things it will help most definitely but it only works for so long and i don't want my happiness to be something that's dependent on something that's so inconsistent when i want that happiness to be consistent and shit but it's it doesn't work like that but we can switch over to talking about you in terms of like college and how you had to chose a different route. How was that thought process like? Well, say what happened first and then say what okay, the thought process so was like. I never wanted to go to college. I already knew that from a very young, young age. I mean, I already hated school. Like that was already hard for me. Like graduating high school was the biggest relief of my life. Um, but I did go to college because my parents always yelled at me growing up, you gotta go to college, you gotta go to college. So I went for like three-ish months and Parental I was pressure. like, ooh, you know, thank <laughs> I did not like it. It just. What was the I, worst part about college for you? I don't even think there's like a worst part about college. I think it was literally just me. Like my ADHD just wasn't letting me concentrate on my classes. Like I literally gave zero fucks when it came to my classes. Like I would skip, like I wouldn't do the homework. I literally did not care. So it wasn't college itself. The college is great. Like I met someone, one of my like amazing friends that are in college, but mm -mm, it just wasn't for me. I just knew that I wanted to be an actress and I'm like, I can't, I'm not about to waste four years of my life on something that I know I don't need. Especially I was undecided and I'm not a theater person. I know there's like theater acting like, and I I could have done that in college if I wanted to, but I'm more of a film girl. So it just, there was just no point of staying in college. Yeah, no. I feel like it's just like, anything you would have gotten from college would have just very much been half-assed. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you can go to a theater class, but if you're not talking to someone who's directly in that field, someone who's actively there, the things that you specifically are looking for because you want these things to happen, I don't think you'd get it. I feel like college a lot of the times, I mean, everyone tells you this about college in general. Half the shit you learn, you don't use it after graduation. <laughs> so if you can get all this knowledge from your experiences by actually going out and attempting these things, I don't think there's necessarily a point to it. I chose to go down to college route and I'll graduate this year. And That's a big deal, by the way. Congrats. Appreciate it, appreciate it, appreciate it. I think the biggest thing for me was like, I knew college would give me options that I would want. It wasn't like college was my only route. And then also, I'll be honest, I wanted to make my mother happy. Um, when I graduated high school, I felt nothing by it because I didn't necessarily feel like high school was a challenge. High school was just that thing that I was just ready to get out of because oh, yeah. it was holding me back from myself, to be completely honest. I wasn't in a school where... I could really do the things that I wanted to do. I wasn't around teachers that gave a fuck like that or were at a certain level where they could, I don't know, high school, just graduating high school. Like I'm not trying to shit people for being proud that you graduated high school. I promise you, I'm not. I get the fact that it's a hard task for certain people, 
But for me, the thing with high school, it was never like, oh, school is hard. The subject is hard. I never had to deal with shit like that. It was more of like, I don't necessarily want to be here because I don't see what I can gain. Like the thing is, all the shit that I learned, I knew for a fact, if I went to school at home or if I was... You learned the same thing. I would be able to do it. But I just stuck it through. It always mattered to my mom. And I'm not going to lie. It's just like, as much as I... It's probably not the greatest thing to constantly live for certain people's dreams. My mom is someone who gave up a lot to have me here in general in the first place. So the idea that I wouldn't, I was, I would not dedicate a few years of my life to her just wouldn't sit right with me. Cause I don't even look at it as a waste of thing. Cause I looked at my mom and the fact that I know she dedicated so much more time. So if I can dedicate four years to college and knowing I'm going to get something good out of it, and I get to make you happy and proud. I got Aww. you. Like, I'll do that for you. <laughs> but, yeah, I knew college was going to give me the proper choices that I wanted. And then on top of that, when it got really hard, I'm not going to lie. My last two years are probably one of my hardest years. It's just like this year itself was like ass, bro. When It's like you're so close to finishing and this is the most difficult year. But it was terrible. It's like I was dealing with breakups, so many things mentally. I think that was the very first time in my life where I can say this year where I was in a depressive state, but you can't even speak on this. It's like, even back in high school, I've always been someone who was just happy as shit. It's just like, I was a goofball. I was constantly like the class clown and shit. And it's just like, but I was a class clown. I was smart. I just want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. I was a class clown. I was smart. I, I didn't give that smart. up for anything. I was still <laughs> taking my AP classes, still chilling with the smart kids and everything like that. I yeah. never, as much as like, I was very much known and my name was known. I didn't hang around the athletes. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I still stayed true to the people that I knew before I gained my personality. So, like, I didn't switch up from that. But, yeah, high school wasn't a a task where I was just like, shit, I can't do this. It was just like, fuck it. I don't really see the purpose of this. But if I have to get through it, fuck it. And I started looking at college the exact same way. It's like college right now, as much as I will be proud of myself for making it through, I'm only going to be proud of myself because I know just how hard it was with everything that I was dealing with mentally. Mm-hmm. And honestly, my mom was my motivation through that shit. It's just like, I'll talk to just like, I'm not going to lie. I don't express my emotions to my mother like that just because I've always, as her younger son, even though I know it's like I'm her little baby, I still looked at it oh. as my role to kind of like protect her. Okay. So when it came to my emotions and shit I was dealing with, I tried to push that to the side for her. But yeah parental pressure is a bitch because i'm not gonna lie if i knew she would have been the person to listen to me a little more and trust my what i would have wanted to do i probably wouldn't have gone to college but i don't know bro and there's always like so much pressure i think from my side i think i put it on myself to be mentally okay that's kind of like one of the topics we ended up writing down but I don't think people understand when you have pressure on yourself to be mentally okay and you're in a state, let's just say you're in a depressive state or you're in a state where you're just not that happy, you beat yourself up over it constantly. And I know you can speak on this too, so God. I mean, I'm pretty sure I already said it, but. No, but like in terms of like your experience itself, like who are the people that you have to be strong for and stuff like that? Like what makes you beat yourself up over not being in a place where you have the mental capacity to deal with others? Oh, I guess stuff that's just going on in my like personal life and me having to deal with, you know, my 
mental health and all of that. Um, honestly, just being there for my mom is hard because she's going through a whole bunch of stuff and I'm going through a whole bunch of stuff and she expects me to be mentally stable for her too. And I'm like, dude, like I can't be stable for the both of us. <laughs> like I need this break real quick yes. to focus on what I gotta do. And it sucks cause that's my mom, you know, like I love her and I don't want to see her go through that. So now like, I have to push my, you know, depression to the side and be like, okay, mom, like, so here, this is, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> it's hard. I don't know. But that's hard. It is hard because this is someone you love. And it's just like, I think it's the choices you have that makes it harder. It's just like one choice is to focus on my mental health and not put it to the side. But when I make that decision, I'm not going to be available to you. But then I still have to watch you struggle. I still have to watch you be in pain. And bro, when it's my mother going through shit, I can't. And I'm someone who's just like, I generally, it's hard for me to ignore what other people are going through. And I pick up on people's emotions really quickly. And especially when it's someone I've been living with, with in the same household for 23 fucking years. I know every time she's, something bothers her. Even if she tries her hardest to, my mom wasn't the most expressive with her emotions. I'll be completely honest. And I think she's probably one of the reasons why I probably got so good at reading people and their emotions and stuff. Because I just had no way of knowing and I didn't. I didn't have the type of ball with my mother early on where it's just like, hey, what are you feeling? What are you going through? I, I just didn't have that, bro. I'm like, <laughs> she's from a, she's from Haiti. She's very much old school. Talking back to your parents is very much looked at as a disrespectful thing, no matter what tone it is said in. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that get me pissed off about parenting. <laughs> I can't talk to you. At all. I think that's why I'm an emotional person. Because you didn't have that. I wasn't access. allowed to express like if me expressing my feelings and how like if they did something to piss me off or make me upset I just wasn't allowed to say it like I had to it was like you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong stay quiet I'm like okay now I get into like one little argument I'm bawling my eyes out <laughs> a lot of parents don't understand just how important it is to have an outlet to express yourself yeah. and it shows early on when you realize it's like I feel like a lot of those times you don't realize the damage certain parents and you have has on you because I feel like a lot of us likes to think that nah, I'm I just this is probably just, this is this only happens at home you know but it affects every other part of your life bro and with my mom bro it's, I've even spoken briefly about this to get her to that point where we I could actually express my feelings you know I had to sit in front of my mom and literally like I bawled my eyes out in front of her I'm, bro I, I was sick and tired of him like bro it's like what was it? I told her I wanted us to be able to communicate a little more. You know, she had the audacity to tell me. She was like, oh, you telling me how to run my house. I almost said the N-word. Like, no! <laughs> I'm trying to be... I want to have I want to have a bond. Like, this is exactly my reactions. I was like... I was very much baffled. I'm like, I came to you so we could have a better relationship. And now you telling me I'm running shit? I was sick. I was, like, I'm not going to lie. It was one of those things where it's like, if I didn't make up my mind, like, I want to be close to her, I would have just walked away. Like, the, and then I was like, bro. Like, and I, I think that's that's what ticked it off. I started crying. I was like, are you dead ass? Your son is in front of you. <laughs> I didn't say that, of course. But I was like, are you serious? Your son is in front of you telling you he wants to have a better bond with you. And the only thing you're worried about is the fact that I'm telling you what to do. 
I was like, all I literally want is for us to have a better bond. I want to be able to talk to you about certain things. I don't want you to just be my mom. I want to get to know who you are. Mm-hmm. I left her stunned. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I knew my work was done and I walked away. You know, it was like the little drop the mic moment. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna give you something to think about. <laughs> no, she apologized. Now we're better, you know. Like, me and my mom, this is the first time in our relationship where it's like, we talk. Like, we'll talk about random things. Like, I'll be like, I will be on the phone and I'll like, she'll admit to me if she's sad or something like that. And that always makes my heart. I'm not gonna lie. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm a little mama's boy. Whenever I hear my mom's not doing okay, it it fucks my. It's so easy to get emotional because it's just like, bro, my mom is my rock. You don't understand. It's like, there's so many things that I'm doing or I continue to do because of that lady. And like, the parts of me that never tried to take advantage. In my early years, I didn't give a fuck. I was heartbroken. I, I was, I was, I was in my little revenge, you know, thing. But the moment I got past that, my mom was, my mom and my nieces were very much one of the biggest reasons why I would always try to keep it real with girls and stuff like that. Because I don't know, it's like seeing my mom hurt wasn't something that I liked. Seeing my nieces hurt, I don't like it. And then seeing my sister go through like guy problems and being mistreated and shit like that. We're getting to that one. <laughs> yeah, we're just not some shit I fuck with. But we can kind of talk about the toxic relationships. Uh, how was your experience as a woman, and how did it? How did this specific relationship with Michael affect you? Well, it it starts before Michael. It starts mm. with my father. Mm. Oh, your fault. I don't think it's your fault. I think Michael no, no, just no. my father. Oh, oh so, <laughs> yeah, father. Okay, father. Mm. That sperm donor, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> At this point, we could call him a sperm donor live. Fuck it. <laughs> okay, let's talk about this sperm donor. Um, never had a good relationship with my father, like ever. I don't think there was one moment where I was like, "Oh my god, like this is this is my father." No, nah. it it I really was abused my whole life by him, and people need to understand abuse isn't just physical. There's emotionally and mentally, like, there are people who, specifically narcissists, that know your triggers, will purposely do it and just watch you have a whole mental breakdown. And that was my father. So literally how it was my whole life till till this day. Um, So when I got into my first relationship with Michael, you know, the... um, the boy that oh, I... Oh, that was the first, like, official, official. Yes, that was my first love, my first everything. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, well, that, that, only that part is cute, I promise. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the cutest. Um, yeah, so it was a really big deal for me, because I'm like, okay, this is my first guy I'm saying I love you to and mean it. Person that I... You know, me with daddy issues, when you get into your first relationship with a guy, you're like, you're expecting that guy to kind of fulfill the love that you wish your father gave, gave you. you. Not in a weird way, but like, you know. Yeah. You just want so, that love to be authentic from a man and you want it to be real. For real. And the first year of that relationship was great. It was everything I ever wanted. And then I don't know what happened. It, was <laughs> it just, just a, went down. It was just, there was just, there was that love. It, I think, yeah, we were fine. And then like this, we had our first breakup. He broke up with me out of nowhere um, during April vacation, 2018. I remember this very vividly. Um, I was heartbroken because I had no idea what the hell was going on. I didn't yeah. do anything. I think I'm a great girlfriend, by the way. Um, I believe it if you say that. I believe it. I believe it. You're not. Nice <laughs> I had person. no idea what happened. It just it was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I think we should see other people. Boom. Shit. I'm like, okay. 
Okay. Uh, heartbroken as hell. And, you know, my dumbass chased after him Oof. multiple, multiple times. And this went on for four years after. Yes. On and off. And it just got worse and worse. And, like, extremely bad to a point where I couldn't handle it anymore. It, it literally felt like I was dating my father in a really weird way. Like I explained this on my TikTok, I was talking about it because one of my first videos that got a million views was about my father, you know, the abuse I went through. And I was talking about how it literally just felt like I was dating my father, like, cause I didn't have any good relationship with him. And I literally got into that relationship thinking, oh my God, I'm about to be with like the first guy in my life that I love. And then, like, I started seeing the similarities, and I'm like, oh, fuck, no. <laughs> it really just got horrible. I, I don't want to go into detail about stuff I went through, just out of respect for him, because, you know, I'm a respectful person or whatever. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, it just got really, really bad. You know one thing I read? Um, and you'll probably realize this. Uh, <laughs> At times when we don't have the greatest relationship with one of our parents, half the time it's the one of the opposite sex, right? Mm. Me, I dated a girl that was very similar to my mother. Mm. A lot of the same flaws, a lot of the same characteristics. <laughs> of course, it never kicks in until you're down the line. I feel like at times it's just like you look for comfort within your father or you would have wished that oh, was yeah. something he stood for. And 100%. I wished my mom was my level of comfort. And for me, I'm a very vocal person. I'm someone who's very vocal with my emotions. That was the outlet that I needed from her. Mm -hmm. I never really got that because we just weren't on that level where she understood me like that. I think I mentioned this on one episode. It's like, at times we will date the person that is similar to our parents, even if we weren't the biggest fan of how they handle things. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is the child in us wants to make things right. Because the thing is, if you get to go into a relationship with someone who's very similar to your father and it works, that's kind of like your way of making up for that past relationship and that didn't work with someone with someone similar. Yeah. And with me, it was kind of like I dated someone like similar to my mother because I knew this didn't work. So I think that was the kid in me trying to say this could have worked. And I would invest so much energy into it, even when I realized it wasn't working because I was so determined on it has to work. And I think a lot of the times you don't understand that mindset of like, why am I purposely trying to force something to work? Like at a certain point, you have to realize it's not just the fact that you love that person. We we lose people we love all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's just something that loss is something that everybody's dealt with one way or another, whether it's something you are great at dealing with, it happens. And I realized at times there was so much extra effort on me when I was getting nothing in return. Mm. And I think part of me really, I think that kid in me just, I seen my mother in her and I was like, I could make this work. It was that part where me and this person on equal ground instead of me and my mom, where she kind of dictates everything and she's mm -hmm. telling me this, that, and then I have to abide to it. Mm -hmm. With this person, I could try to find that compromise. I could try to tweak what I do and to help it work, yeah. but it just didn't. And I realized it made very much sense. It made a lot of sense when I heard that thing. It was like from a book or something, but I knew she was like my mother and I would even tell her this, but to me, it didn't trigger what was actually yeah. happening. I, like, it's like, you'll see the similarities, but you won't even like, why am I investing this much energy? It's like, you already know it won't work. Yeah. You know, there's so little of a chance that it'll work, but I feel like that <laughs> kid in you that was so very much looking for this type of person to stand for this. You're like, I'm gonna make it happen. 
because we spent how many years trying to make it work with our parents so it's just like we think there might be progress but it's literally why i think that relationship went on for as long as it went on because of me because i was so Invested. determined to make it work when literally everybody would tell me oh my god leave this man just leave him like he is so so bad for you and i'm like no like i can make it work and then there's times where i'm like yeah you're right i deserve better yeah and then you go back and to i go back i don't know it's like i feel like i could, i could do this i feel like i could it just bro if you have to force some shit it doesn't matter you know. it doesn't it yeah. doesn't work at all it's like it's the same thing as trying to have a friend around and you want to get them to start changing their lives and stuff like that it will never work on your account that person has someone that change for themselves mm-hmm. you can't force someone to change and whenever you feel like you have changed somebody promise you it's bullshit it's half the time you feel like you've changed someone. I'm not talking about like on a friend level, but I'm talking about like big changes. Like you're the one telling this person, this needs to happen. I got you. Like more on a relationship level. If you have to be that person for someone and you see the change start kicking in, it won't be consistent. It just won't. Because the thing is, you're just like, do you know how hard it is for you to change? We all know how hard it is for us to change ourselves. Like, and now do you really expect someone who, doesn't even try to match the effort you put into them to invest that much energy into changing for you. I think everybody does change for someone, but I think that only happens with one person because mm-hmm. there's no way you look at someone and you don't prioritize this future and you're constantly risking things with them and you want to make a life-changing decision for their feelings when the little day-to-day things are not something you're even willing to change. I think that's like, it's a hopeful thing, but it's also very unrealistic yeah. that someone's going to change who they are, change their ways and everything like that. But they're not even willing to change how they say certain things to you. They're not willing to change how they look, at, how they take care of you, how they do this and that. When you, It's like that's the thing for me is just like I always say the little things at times matter more. Because when it comes to big picture things, they are hard to do. So it's just like you can't just beat someone up for not being able to make certain changes because it's like this will take time. Mm-hmm. But you know certain shit don't take time. Some shit, if you really want to change it, it happens like this in a relationship. If you wanted to, he would. Yeah. yeah, bro. It's just like if you, if you wanted to, you could. Yeah. And when you realize some of those situations are not even happening, mm-hmm. you're just being a dummy expecting this person to just have a whole 360, become this new person, this and that. And another thing to realize is anything you want, it's out there somewhere. Yeah. And if that person can't give it to you. You find someone new, like I did. And I finally know what love is. Talk about that. How's that like going from a relationship where you kind of see those things that you wanted that maybe Michael might have <laughs> only narcissistically offered for the first year? How's that like having some consistency and having someone you can confide in? And it talk feels about amazing. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Knowing that someone actually, you know, loves me for me and puts time and effort, like, it's honestly so eye-opening. Because what I thought love was when I was with Michael, it isn't. wasn't that at all, bro. At all. That is not love, honey. That was abuse. But... (laughs) um, (laughs) I I regret so much. But anyways, yeah. Um... Being with my now boyfriend was such such an eye opener. I love him so much, and I know he's watching. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, it's just it's crazy to think that I thought that was love, and 
just being with someone who really puts time into me. And like, we'll be, we'll have like a little disagreement. And he doesn't disrespect me. He doesn't call me out my name. He doesn't belittle me, make me feel like shit. Like how Michael did. And I'm like, damn, like this is so different from what I'm used to, especially growing up with a father that was a narcissist. My first boyfriend being a a narcissist. Now I'm in this relationship that's so so healthy it's low-key disturbing <laughs> yeah you're just like what the fuck you like, telling me this, 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 this exists so used, right i'm so used to chaos like what is this bro i think it's just like when you're in relationships like that you're so used to like survival mode like you mm-hmm. know you want this shit to work and you want it to keep going but you know you can't offer yourself with no walls you can't offer yourself to that person without being ready to cry without being ready for this next thing to happen and i gotta pick myself up fix those pieces it's like you know that's happening and you know that's bound to happen again but you're just wishing for those little moments just because it's that person you love and you don't want it to come from nobody but them oh my god literally (laughs) that's literally how it was i just i was always prepared for something bad to happen for him to break up with me out of nowhere it literally was like that though like he literally would break up with me out of nowhere one little argument you know what like i'm done and i would we'd be fine we'd be literally fine i'll go to sleep wake up to a breakup text i'm like (laughs) it was like that for four years you can call me a dumbass like that's fine i i I understand see (laughs) outside of this podcast i probably might have i probably might have but i know there's so many people that do make these so yeah not so smart decisions I, I know. And, I, and i made them i'm not gonna lie it's just like i wasn't a person where i would get broken up for when i'm doing things right yeah i think that's like bro okay look, you don't understand the damage you have to deal with after a relationship like that where you offered the best version of yourself mm-hmm. and it wasn't enough at all and the worst part is knowing the fact that that person didn't even invest as much energy. So after you don't understand where it's kind of like you don't understand the toll that takes on your self-worth, how you look at yourself, your self-love, self-respect, I think is one of the biggest parts. I think it's really hard in a situation where you, you kind of allow that self-respect to be thrown out the window for this hopeless romantic part of yourself where you just want to be hard. fed love. Yeah. And bro, it, I'm not going to lie, after my relationship, after my toxic, toxic relationship, mm. me and this person had closure. We had this big talk where I finally was able to help them understand just everything they did wrong. So I was, I have this one text which really shows the improvement <laughs> in the fact that she notices what the fuck she did. But it took that one conversation. And I think that's all I ever wanted. I think a lot of people always want closure. And at times that's not offered. So that kind of makes it really hard to try to move on. I feel like especially after if I didn't have certain answers to certain things, Mm -hmm. I'd still be running them through my mind. I'm not someone who likes not knowing shit. I feel like in a relationship with a narcissist or someone who's just incapable of matching your energy and the effort you put in, there's always going to be questions of why. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of shit won't make sense. And I think at times when you're looking for closure from situations like that, the shit not making sense is enough for closure because you know what you deserve. You know, I feel like for me, it's just like a lot of people at times, they think they deserve shit. They don't. But one thing I think <laughs> I'm going to be honest, and especially some women, you know, because mm. for me, men, you constantly will get hit with a reality check about let's be real. 
because that's just how guys work. But when it comes to women, it's just there's more idea of in terms of like how people interact with you. There's more of this expectation of nurture and warmth mm. that men aren't ne- expected to want. So it's not something that's always offered. A lot of women can be delusional about what the fuck they deserve. Mm. They can. That's very Why true. is that? Because a lot of guys will allow a girl to think that as long as she looks pretty. So it's like I can't even put it on women because I think there are guys that are just like I even posted a video recently about this. There's certain guys who will gas like the fuck out of a girl <laughs> just to get what they want. And I hate coming across girls like that because I'd be like, who the fuck made you think this? <laughs> I'm like, bro, you expect this, 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 but you can't offer the most basic shit. Mm. Like your looks and your sex appeal should not have, should not add any addition to your worth unless you got it like that, in my opinion. But a lot of y'all don't got it like that, but you know, the body decent, so guys will gaslight you to get what they want, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But overall, things like the thing that after that relationship, I was just so mentally lost. I can't even find the right word for it. I think it's just like you were just lost because it's just like I know my self worth. I'm someone who worked on myself OD, and mind you, it didn't help that this was at my prime. Mm-hmm for my social media fame and everything like that. This is the loyalty I was offering to someone that wasn't even deserving of it. Mm. Sorry if you see this. <laughs> no, it's not even on no fucked up <laughs> shit. Like I, I've, I've told you this. There are things where it's just like the idea that you go above and beyond for someone, even on top of already doing 10 times more than them, mm-hmm. you go above and beyond compromising. I think that's one of the worst parts. It's like knowing that I compromise so much, <laughs> when I was already, mm, how do I say this in a humble way? I was too good for you. Mm. It's just like, if I was doing a shit ton of things that you were not even incapable, you were incapable of doing for me. Mm. I think you can, I don't think it's a cocky thing to say you were too good for that person. Mm. At the stage they were at in their life when y'all dated. Yeah. A few months later, you may get to, you may have gotten to a point where I would possibly look at you and think, yeah, you may be deserving of this love. But sadly, that's just not a chapter we'll revisit. But yeah, I was fucked over mentally badly. I think that was like one of the biggest things is just like, that wasn't the first relation. You know this. Have you ever heard of me having a girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I don't do this relationship thing. People don't understand this. It's just like, yes, I've had girls who were attracted to me. I've I've had it. But the idea for me is like, even going on a date with a girl, no it's just like for me a date is an investment i'm not looking at the money portion but i'm looking at the fact that i'm making an attempt to get to know you and at an early age i was like no no thank you i'm not taking you out on a date i'm not taking you out to eat i'm not taking you out to the movies and none of this shit please tell me you're not like this now i'm still like this (laughs) no no but right for me i know just how well girls can use guys okay okay. easy as shit you feel me it's just like no, you can come. <laughs> you you can come over and nothing will nothing sexual will happen. Okay, and that's fine. We'll set up the vibe how you like it. Okay, but the you telling me I got to get for me to get to know you, I need to pay a hundred hundred and fifty dollar meal. Mm. Suck my dick. No, I'm not doing it. Because the thing is, for me, is just like this is also another thing, right? My memories are not even if I'm healed. They are something I keep very closely to me because I'm a logical person. Anytime I look at a decision, should I really trust you? I may think about other times where I've been hurt. It's not about trust issues, but it's just the fact that I always want to be realistic about these expectations I set for myself. 
So there are certain memories. It's like, I don't want to do this with a certain person randomly because I want this memory to be with someone that's important to me. Okay. I don't want to go out to go-karting and all this little cute shit with a random person because what happens this time when I'm doing, when I'm, when I have to do these things with someone that means the world to me, that okay. experience isn't, it's not my, it's not our first. And I've always been someone where it's like, if we're together, I want us to have a lot of firsts together. So I don't sit there and waste these experiences just dating random ass chicks. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that I do. Like, I will literally tell a girl straight up, I'm not taking you out. It's not a disrespectful thing. I will, I will I'll say it in a very, I'll say it okay. nicer than that, I promise you. I'm not gonna be like, nah, I ain't taking your ass out, the fuck? Mm-hmm. I'm not that type of guy. I'll very much be like, listen, I'm not gonna lie. I look at these things as an investment towards a relationship. A relationship for me is an investment towards marriage. Okay. I always kind of looked at it that way. So that's the reason why I don't do girlfriends. It's like, the fuck am I dating you for? I don't, I know for a fact right now, I can't see myself with you for five years. Oh my God, I think the same way. I, I don't just date to date. I date to marry. Like I've never had a whole face because I, I just can't do it. I I cannot second that. I, I just I just cannot <laughs> second know. the whole Anyways, face. Anyways, we, we, we know. <laughs> what the fuck is it? Wait, wait, wait! I was trying to catch her. What does that mean? She trying to say I'm a thought. That's what she trying to say. It's okay. It's okay. Mm, if the shoe fits, wear it. Anyway, <laughs> she's saying it fits. It's okay. It fit for a little while. You know, we outgrown that. I'm hoping. You know. Uh huh. Uh-huh. No, but for me, I I tried. I tried. I was talking to like four guys before I met my boyfriend. I was ready. I'm like, oh, I'm about to do this. And then I'm like, oh, this is not me. This is just not me. And then, <laughs> I can't do it. I don't know. If I'm going to go out with you, it's because I see a future with you. If I can't see a future with you, you're not in my life. I'm so sorry, but you're just not. Yeah, it's like, Pastor, I've heard of stories of myself and girls giving me reviews after, right? It's the weirdest shit. Yeah, I'll I'll randomly start talking to a girl and then they know someone who knows a girl I fucked and then that girl gave a feedback. See, that's messy. I don't do that. Yeah, you know, it's just like, at times the bullshit that I will hear, you know, some things, right? A girl will pull up on a sneaky link level (laughs) type shit. You pull up for dick. Uh That is all I'm expected to put on the table. Okay. All I'm asking you to put on the table is pussy. Mm -hmm. It's fair. Simple. And shorty gonna sit here and say, "Oh, he, he's he's rude. He didn't even offer me water." See, this is how people fuck up. This is how. This is why I can't do the whole like whole thing because, no, I fall in love too easy. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. As as much as I sit here and I act like I can do this horny shit, I'm a lover boy at heart. Like, yeah. see, I will. This is the this is the worst part. I will be in the middle of my whole phase and fall in love with someone, and I'm like, hell, <laughs> like. It happens. After relationships, I'm not going to lie, an easy way to distract myself, shorties. You know, it's just it's just a thing. I'll be in the middle of distracting myself, and then I come across someone. We start spending time together. The more time we spend together, the more attached I get, yes. the more I want to be cl- I'm not going to hold you. I am a clingy guy. I, I don't give a fuck if that's not attractive to certain woman. Bro, you expect me to love being around you, but then be okay with not being around you? Yeah, no, can't do it. No, bro, I want to see you. The moment you're walking out that door, I already miss you because I'm like, <laughs> damn, I'm no longer smelling you. I'm no longer having access That's to you. Me. I can't cuddle with you. Bro, I'm a very touchy boyfriend. Is just like, bro, like, nah, I want you on my chest. I don't care. I don't care if I, I don't give a fuck how <laughs> uncomfortable I am. The idea that you're there I will wait for you to sleep and then try to tweak myself and up. And that's how it's to supposed sleep. to be. 
Because I'm a clingy ass girlfriend. I, love that and I, shit. I tell my boyfriend all the time, I'm like, let me know if I'm doing too much. She's like, no, you're good. And I'm like, I want. We went to a restaurant. And you know how you're supposed to sit across from each other? I'm, I literally, the first 20 minutes we got there, I'm like, please come sit next to me. I don't like this whole across thing. Like, I want to touch you. <laughs> Unless it's like, the only way it was like we can sit across is like, can our legs touch or something? We couldn't even touch. That's how I was. Oh, yeah. Nah. I, I, See, I, I, I couldn't do it. I can't <sighs> do it. Like, I'll get a, I'll get a, I won't point to it with my ex. We get a booth and then we sit right next to each other. Yeah, that's how it Bro, should it's be. like, if I want to take a video, I got to flip the camera to be cordy. Ah, look at me and babe. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. Yeah, no, it's like, now the one part we did want to talk about, like the progression from like, we've spoken about like how it's great for you now, but it's like, mm -hmm. how hard was it to trust that oh. this was real? Like, I, like. So hard. Yeah, go ahead. So hard because, okay, we, me and Michael broke up May 2021. And nobody knows, by the way, like until I started posting, posting my boyfriend now like everybody's like whoa you guys broke up i'm like girl should, even get that should have been done a minute ago that yeah. shit was not working out but it was very very hard for me to trust a guy like and what sucked is because i talked to probably like six guys in one year and all of them literally i kid you not all of them just wanted to sleep with me the first 30 minutes of us talking something sexual came in and i'm like oh my god that's how i knew it was it was just not gonna work out and, and then I met my boyfriend and we talked for six hours straight and I kid you not, there was not one sexual conversation. And I'm like, yep, this is the one. Put a ring on my finger. <laughs> but it was really hard for me to trust a guy because I'm like, okay, I just got abused for like a good, compared like putting my father and, you know, Michael together. That was, that was a good like 20 years of my life. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> like, in, yeah, it took a while for me to open up to my boyfriend and, like, you know, and there's still times where he says certain things and it triggers me. And it got to a point where he was like, okay, we need to talk about this because I know you went through so much traumatic shit, but I am not him. He is not me. You got to trust me that whatever you went through, you're not going to go through it with me. And it was kind of an eye opener. I'm like, okay, like I can trust this man. I can let my guard down. I can break down that wall. Like this is going to work. And it's been working because next month is our one year anniversary. Oh, shit. Thank you. <laughs> that's lit. But I think for me, it's like, that's such a hard thing. Yeah. I think especially for you, because you've gone through it so much longer. I'm it's so like, sorry. it almost seems, I'm pretty sure at first it almost seemed childish to believe that this would be different. Because <gasps> yeah. it's like, your reality has been shaped of. Chaos. Yeah. And love from a narcissist. Mm. Well, love from narcissists. And even for me, it's just like. I didn't always go through it, but knowing that I always made the choice to not be in relationships made that 10 times harder. It's just like, mm -hmm. can I really go back to this person who wants love and risk coming across someone that kind of tears apart everything that I worked for in terms of like mentally, emotionally within myself, self-love, self-respect and everything like that. It was kind of like, once you start making progress towards that, do you want to risk that progress again? I think that was the biggest thing for myself. It's like I started to lose myself in that relationship and I seen mm -hmm. it. Like at a certain point, when I say survival mode type of boyfriend, I think of myself as an amazing boyfriend. I'm not going to hold you. So it's like the level of loyalty and access I allowed this girl to have to me and on top of me in general, it's like to everything that I have accomplished and built. 
I never wanted to make her feel like she wasn't part of that. Like, I even brought her in for a podcast episode at one point. And mind you, this wasn't even at a point when we were really, really together. It was like one of those off and on moments, some shit had happened. And then right before the episode, we got back together. And I'm not going to hold you. I don't go fuck if you're watching this. <laughs> I know you truly didn't want to be together with me again. I know for a fact you made us get back together because you wanted to be introduced as my girlfriend. Shit sucks, but the one thing is with me, I can't lie to myself about shit. I've gotten way too good at reading shit on how to read people and then constantly having people vent to me. I know what's real and what's not. I know when things are genuine. There's just something about how it is said that's just different. But going from that to now, I wouldn't say I'm in a relationship, but nobody else can get a relationship out of me except for one person. You know who you are. And she's, it's weird when something works, right? Mm. And it's just like, things were so hard for so long. And then you come across someone where even as a companion, not even on the relationship part where it's just like, you guys are having regular conversations. The fact that there isn't so much friction, there isn't so much back and forth. It's just a, the fact that anything you say is heard and understood. That's, that's some shit I was just like Dude what is going what the on fuck <laughs> Bro I was shook Like this And the worst part was You'll know I don't think my ex Be watching my shit Hopefully This is someone I dated In between my ex At a certain point mm, Tell me about this Yeah I remember Yeah this. So when we got back together It just felt so easy And the thing is She was still mad at me For things that I had done Rightfully so And I had to kind of like I had to kind of like show her that like I've changed and I've grown and shit like that. And part of completely cutting ties with my ex, I don't want, I don't want to, you're in my past and I don't want to be scared of saying nothing just in case you might be watching. Mm -hmm. But part of it was that it's like, I completely made that decision myself. Cause I'm like, my ex just no longer offered anything positive to me. Not because she was a terrible person or anything like that. I, I am a strong believer and at times people treat you according to what's happening in their lives. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you have to accept it or you have to offer patience to it. At the end of the day, you're still living your life in a time where you're open to accept this love. And if they can't offer it, fuck it. You move on. But trusting her, like trusting someone after was just, it felt easy because it just worked. But even then I kind of questioned it. Like, is this real? Because everything that worked in my last relationship, at a certain point, I watched it all crumble. Mm, that's so, oh, that's so beautifully said, because I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, how much can I trust to build something with someone else if I know that no matter how pretty it is being built, it can be taken down? Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really had to focus on, like you even mentioned, it's like when there's a disagreement, when there's time, when there's a possibility for that chaos to arise. How do we treat the situation? And she's, she, she'll be understanding and caring and thoughtful, oh, and even if I'm like, in the wrong. Yes, that's, that was like um, the most shocking shit. I'll be in the wrong and she's being understanding to be honest. Nigga, <laughs> what? You're not blaming me for shit? You're, you're, you're not going to walk away? Yeah. You're not going to dismiss things? I would just... I would. It's like... At times, it was even... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the man in this relationship. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't be emotional like that. But at times I'd be like, yeah. I would shed a tear right now if you knew just how much I've been needing this. Yeah. I think it's just like, 
I think the good thing from going to a really toxic relationship to a really healthy one mm-hmm. is a toxic relationship shows you what you were starved from. Mm-hmm. It's like the thing about survival mode, what we really mean by that is you know what you weren't getting. You offered the part of yourself that you could without still being affected as badly as you've seen yourself be affected. Mm-hmm. And when you come across someone who understands all of these things that the person didn't offer that you knew you needed, but you lied to yourself about so that person could still, so your person in your past could still be like a valuable option. Now you're just like, wait, you're offering this? And then you don't realize just, (laughs) you know what I mean, but I don't even know how to explain it. It just feels fulfilling when you're used to something that's constantly draining and you have to like, Mm. you have to walk away pour yourself and then go back to them you're drained again yep constantly. and when you realize that process doesn't even happen with this person and they actually sometimes help fill you up it's it's so scary but like such a good feeling at the oh, same time it's crazy i'm like damn is this what love feels like is this the yeah. type of love i offered these <laughs> niggas and they couldn't fucking offer to me this shit feels great it i know why great. they kept me in this low low fucking cycle but i'm just like the worst part is knowing that you did all of this shit for someone else and now that you're receiving it you're so grateful for it yeah especially in that relationship i was giving giving so much and nothing was given back to me i'm like damn i'm so tired and in this relationship i'm giving he's giving back i'm like oh this is lit I'm like thank you lord i'm like ants was the thing is like in survival mode i'm not gonna lie my loyalty starts to you know take a low uh-huh it's just like bro the thing is, is just like, I have all of these options. I was being loyal to you because I wanted this. I've seen a future. Mm-hmm. When you show me that's not realistic anymore and you're doing everything you want to do, now you're making me start thinking about the things that I could do. Mm. And once I started thinking about what I could do. It's over. It's wraps, <laughs> bro. And she, I got to a point in my relationship where even though we weren't official, I still do want to say the fact that I wasn't loyal to her. I still come, no matter what she did, I'm talking about just from my perspective and my end of the table. I told her we would try to work things out. Mm-hmm. Hopeless romantic. I knew there wasn't that much real hope, but I just wanted to put that idea in it. Mm-hmm. Then the more I seen that it's still not working, even with everything I've put on top of that, even with everything I've told you you've done wrong, mm-hmm. I just didn't give a fuck anymore. I think at a certain point, I didn't have it in me to say goodbye. So I made mistakes that would force her to say goodbye to me because in reality i knew for a fact the thought of them leave i feel like when you're in a really toxic relationship and you can't even speak on this at a certain point the idea of that relationship ending it's not even heartbreaking at times it feels relieving oh yeah and i'll think about that i'm like damn uh, let me do something for her to Right, and maybe walk out that door. So toxic, but anyways. No, no, I will be completely <laughs> honest. It's a toxic thing, but I didn't care why. Because how much shit are you putting me through on a daily basis? True. Like, well, this was someone who was like, if they did not feel like sharing something would help the argument, they would not share it. If they did not feel like answering a question would help the argument, they wouldn't answer the question. Even if I felt like it would. So it was a constant thing of me prioritizing her emotions because she feels like this won't help. And me feeling like this will help, but hey, she's not going to abide to it. So push your emotions to the side. Mm-hmm. I even express this. It's like, imagine having to constantly put your emotions to the side on a daily basis. Constantly having your emotions not be a priority. But then you yourself 
are trying to figure out the compromise that's going to allow their emotion to feel prioritized. That just sounds exhausting. You just saying, that. bro, it, it's fucking tiring, and I hated that shit. And it's just yeah. like, as much love as I had for this person, as much love I had for you, uh. it's like, and that's the worst part. You know, there's a piece of that love that's just never gonna go away. Because you oh, no, offered mine went away, but go off. No, no, no. Mine, I feel like gone. no. You were with a narcissist. You know, you sure. were with someone who did things intentionally. Yes. For me, I'll be honest, right? Mm. I was with someone who just didn't understand certain things. I'm not making okay. excuses for them. But I know for a fact I was in a place in my maturity where I could understand so much more than them. Okay. And I think that was the hardest part. It's like, how do you give up on someone when part of there are certain things they really just don't understand? Okay. I just had to realize, nigga, my, I can't try to pace my life with yours if we're not on the same page. Fuck it. It is what it is. But I'm saying there's always that type of love. It's more of like that understanding that I have of you and the good traits you have, that doesn't just go away. Like, yeah, you knew that they were a narcissist. You understood these things, but at the end of the day, you still remember the little things that you loved about them that were real. That's what kind of kept it going for four years. Exactly. And for, at a certain point, you kind of have to be like, it's not enough. If my love yeah. isn't enough and I'm offering everything on, the, on top of that, then. Yeah, because. When we ended that relationship, was I? That was that's was my breaking point. I was the one that was like, okay, I don't want anymore. Out of the four years that he always broke up with me, I broke up with him once, and that was over. Because I, I, I don't know if you know, the girls do this thing where we're like done with the relationship before we actually leave the relationship. Yeah, you mentally disengage first. Yeah. Because you so need like to know we broke up in May. I was done by like March. I didn't want nothing. I didn't want him to touch me. Like I was over it. Um, so like when we finally got to that point where we broke up, I was like, this is the best decision of my life. Like, I feel like I'm never going to regret not breaking up with him. Yeah. Well, I feel like yeah. part of it is like, did it hurt after? Oh, like a bitch. Is, yeah. is, isn't, that, isn't that the worst part? You're hurt over someone who wasn't good for you. Because I feel like because you put so much time and effort, like. I feel like who I was when I started that relationship and who I was when I left are two completely different people. And I can say that what I went through made me so strong because I wish somebody's son would try to do the shit that Michael did to me again. Oh, fuck no. I love how you didn't slip up and you still remember Michael. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. Mm. But it's I think overall, it's like, if I, we'll give advice on this to people that coming from out of this and to this, I'll say something and you can say something as well. Mm -hmm. I think in general, it's like in this, like I said, when we when I speak about relationships, one thing I need people to understand is these are things that can happen in like no matter what type of relationship it is. This could have been, hey, I've been dealing with a brother that's very narcissistic and now I finally find a person that I look at as a brother and they're being warm and everything like that. It's the same effect just because it's in a relationship. I get it. There are certain things when it's a romantic relationship that's not going to be part of the other bonds, but the concepts and principles are still the same. Like this person was investing enough and I felt drained and now I'm finding someone that's doing these things. So it could literally be the same thing as a best friend who had access to all of these information and all these things about you. The one thing for me is like if you're going from a toxic relationship to a healthy one, know that it's okay to have your doubts at first. Because that's you being logical and that's you wanting to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. But you can't have your walls up. Yeah. 
And I think that's the one thing that's hard to people or that doesn't really make that much sense. It's this idea that you can still look to your past without having your walls up and still actually trust the person that's in front of you. And I think the thing you need to focus on your past for is like the kind of triggers. It's like little things that kind of raise a little red flag in your head. And those are the things you should never ignore. The thing is, you're when you're starting with someone new after such a toxic situation, you are risking so much. And that's a given because of what you've already been through. Like, it's not even all oh, I'm saying guys aren't shit. Girls aren't shit based off what I see. This is my experience and my heartbreak and my pain. Mm-hmm. Use that to decide if that person is right for you. And one thing I've realized that really helped, which kind of started as a conversation with my brother. A lot of guys don't necessarily look at, hey, how does she handle when we're arguing? How does she do this? When we're in a state when we're not the greatest, it's just like all of those moments where you realize what you had with that past partner wasn't real. All of those little things that helped you realize that those situations, focus on those things a lot and judge that person based on if they are capable of being different in those situations not are you like this person do you have similar traits people can have similar traits but there's so much about them where it doesn't mean that they're the same person or they're going to hurt you the exact same so for me it was like i knew when i was in an argument with my past partner she would walk away or she'd leave and she wouldn't be understanding i had to prioritize her emotions without her having any understanding of mine Mm -hmm. okay i am drained from situations where i have to prioritize someone's emotions and they don't prioritize mine when me and this girl have an argument Okay, do you try to listen to what I'm saying? Even if I'm in the wrong, are you willing to listen to me? Are you offering me a level of understanding instead of just trying to throw blame? I see that in her, so I know it's like, okay, we may not fail this way. Anything down the line, it'll be different, it'll be new. At least I can have trust in the fact that this progression will lead to something that I haven't already seen. I think that's the scariest part. It's like when you start seeing similar patterns Mm -hmm. in a new person from your past partner, it's just like, you're just going to automatically doubt it. Mm-hmm. But for me, I literally do think a lot of the times you just have to focus on how you guys resolve issues because I think that's the biggest part. Not resolving issues, small or big, if they're small, eventually they add up to the point where they suffocate you. If they're big, you'll constantly be thinking about the fact that this isn't changing. And if someone does, if the two of you guys don't have a dynamic where you guys can get over things and actually understand each other, you're not going to get very far. No, not at all. The idea that you can't resolve shit means you're not working towards anything real. Because yeah. anything real requires, I wouldn't say a clean slate, but it requires you guys to understand each other for everything that's happened. Anything that's left without a level of understanding eventually will pop back up. You're not that different to the point where a mistake you made a year ago will never happen within the next year or two or some shit like I mean, that. Nobody's perfect. It's not. So you need to make sure the next time this happens, at least this person understands why I did it, where I'm at. So it's like, you're not just left thinking, what the fuck? Mm. Yeah. That would be my advice from going from something toxic that hurt you, that deprived you of so much that you deserve into being with someone that now understands you. What's your, what's your take? What's your little final? I mean, you kind of covered like everything, but yeah, you, you, you got this. I was just going to say that, yeah, I'm very big on trying to not bring up those same triggers that you've had in your new relationship, because that person may or may not know specifically everything that you went through in your past relationship. So like, don't just 
be like, oh my God, like you just did that and that just reminded me of my ex, da da da. That's just gonna kind of push that person away from you. Like, okay, this person's a little too damaged. I don't have the time or energy to deal with that. And that's very understanding of that person because who the hell wants to deal with that? But just, I'm, listen, I'm telling you because I went through this. I, I literally went through this and my boyfriend told me like, hey, remember, I'm not him. Um, just, just remember that, again, that person is not that ex and don't just be like, oh my God, like you're doing the same thing my ex did. Just constantly throwing it in their face is going to make them feel bad. And you, I feel like you're just sabotaging your own relationship. Yeah. No one wants to be with someone where they can't be themselves. And yeah. when you have so many triggers that someone doesn't understand, it's exactly what you do to them. And I think it's kind of a thing too. It's just like, I didn't even really have triggers, but you've dealt with multiple things that would allow you to have certain triggers. I think one of the biggest parts, like let's just say, I'm this new person as a man. I'm dating someone else with these triggers. I think I would expect, I think sometimes you want to protect yourself. You don't want to express your past. You're a little reluctant to tell someone certain things. Mm. You need that person to see you for you. Mm. And that comes with your past trauma. That comes with your triggers. Because it will feel like walking on eggshells if the person can't dictate what exactly I'm doing. If all I have to go off is, shit, you're crying now, I clearly did something wrong. Mm. But then I don't fully understand it. Then I don't understand how to be a proper boyfriend to you. Yeah. But when you, or how, how this person can be a proper girlfriend to me if I had my triggers. Mm -hmm. The thing is, if you have triggers and a person chooses to date you, be honest with yourself. It's a little harder than them dating someone without triggers. Yes. But they chose to be with you. Mm. So that should be enough to show you that this person maybe requires a little information on how to act accordingly yeah. based off your triggers. It's just like, it sucks when someone has triggers in general. Yeah. And I think that both of you guys understand that. But if there's a level of understanding and I know just exactly why this happens, even when it happens accidentally, now I know how to reassure you. Oh, she's worried about that. Babe, I promise you this is not what's happening. Listen. Yeah. It's That's like when perfect. they have that level of understanding, it's mm -hmm. just like you can easily reassure you. And I think that reassurance at times when you have your triggers, it's all you really need. Like, yeah, you were reminded of something that's traumatic. It sucks. But if you allow that person to understand how to be a level of comfort to you as you heal, then it's OK. That's what I'm saying. It's like you can heal in a relationship, yeah, but you can. can't heal hiding your past and having your walls up. Yep. It has to be a level of understanding. And I'm not going to lie. I got I got it. I got to pee. <laughs> I finished this whole thing. Like, I've been holding it in to finish the episode properly. Look, right? I love you guys. I technically gave y'all... This is like the New Year's special. You feel me? It was my birthday. Y'all got them near an hour and 30 out of me. Um, I'm going to get my goodbye and go to the bathroom. And I'm going to let you say goodbye after. I'm not going to lie. Like, okay. it is, it's, you can keep this in it, but it's bad. <laughs> I just want to thank you guys. I appreciate you. And I know you guys very much appreciated her and her insights and everything like that. It was very much different. And one thing I'm going to say is, right, mm -hmm. she was very nervous. She was like, oh, my God. Oh, I was shitting. She was like, I'm shitting shit bricks. Like, for real. I was so nervous. Wait, I laughed. This is not good for the bathroom. You can, you can give you a little <laughs> outro. Okay, so, right, before we had the amazing, you know, Pamela.V um, drop out of college, you know. She actually still did some things that were great within college in her three months. She had a poem called Home, and it won the first place. So I think because of that, I would like you guys to listen to it. It's a winner, and I think you guys will like it. I've seen it. It's freaking nice. I'm not going to lie.
Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Go ahead. I'm listening. <clears throat> Home. Home to me is alive, breathing. Early mornings, rude awakenings, no greetings, loud music on the weekends, ringing in your ears, making you jump, interrupting an intense dream waiting to be finished. It's immediately setting up the kitchen table because you have to, pushing the tall chairs to the side, giving you room to place each cup next to each plate, each fork next to each spoon, and don't forget the napkins. <clears throat> Every weekend morning. Home is also early church sessions on Sundays, fussing because you don't want to go, screamed at because you have to go. It's the scent of mama's $100 perfume circling around the room, so strong it grabs you by your throat and pushes you out the door. To the tall brown house that seems so peaceful on the outside, two bodies were barely peaceful on the inside. Violent words coming out of one mouth, bouncing around the room and entering another mouth. It would go on for hours, the words increasing in size, rumbling and shaking the whole house like an earthquake. But during the day, a simple empty household, no rumbling, no shakes, not a single movement. Home is this brown body, too goofy for some and other times too serious for others. I push myself to be looked up at and to be the flashlight in a dark tunnel. There are times where the struggle of life gets in the way. Anxiety makes the room get smaller and smaller, feels like I can't breathe until a voice in my head is strong enough to make it all go away. People say people would, people would say that this house is just a slim frame that is fragile and that is unsupportive, with thin glass that cracks easily against a storm of words. And to those nosy neighbors that doubt this real estate, I say, this mind and body is a house that nobody is allowed in. This body has locks and this house has rules for those who leave the door cracked when I told them to shut it, who leave dishes in my sink, who don't clean up after themselves, who eat with their mouths wide open, who touch everything they see. It is a fortress that has tall metal doors that will hit you on your way out and will not say, please come again. It's a temple built for remembrance of my hardworking mother who built the foundation to keep the house upright from the intrusions of words that break me. It's a sanctuary, a keeper of troubles, ideas, thoughts, and fears. A sanctuary for the dreams that grow on the kitchen windowsill. A sanctuary where I'm allowed to love and own this well construction frame. Home is me. <laughs> she's saying she's home, guys. You know, she got to get comfortable with herself type thing. I just want to yeah. say that. Thanks. I was like, I was not going to lie. Took me back. I'm like, damn. <laughs> I haven't heard someone read a poem in a while. Normally, I'll, I'll be forced to read some over to people and shit like that, but that was I, nice. That, that was very nerve-wracking. Yeah, but you did that <laughs> shit, as you should. I'm proud. Thank you. This this poem clearly won something. Because when I did it on stage uh -huh. in front of, like, 300 people, there was a lot more attitude to it, okay? I didn't read it very soft like how I did right now. It was it was a lot of, you know, finger-snapping, head-shaking. to the people who leave the door. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yes. I think that's what caught people's attention, I guess. Yes, yeah. the idea that it was more like producing like a spoken word type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a feeling it was like that. Yeah. But I'm proud of you. I very thank much like the poem. You, thank you, thank you. 
I'll definitely have you back again. Yay! I appreciate you guys, and this is the part where we'll give a proper goodbye since I'm back yes. in the bathroom. Yes. Like, we gotta die. I want you to give people your socials. Ooh, <laughs> I've always wanted to do this. Okay, <laughs> so my Instagram is Pamela.V, V-I-E. Oh. My TikTok is the same thing. My YouTube is the same thing. And that's it. Y'all can find her at <laughs> P-A-M-E-L-A dot uh-huh. V-I-E. Correct. Go show her some love, and I very much appreciate you for coming today. I feel honored and special to be your first guest, I think. Am Not I? the first one, but you're definitely one of the, the best. I'll whatever. give you the best, yeah. the best, yeah, the best guests so far. Yes. But no, you're literally the only person where it's kind of like, actually, this is the thing you're the first for. You're the very first person that knew me before I did any of this to actually yes. come into this podcast. I'm a real one. Yeah, you're day one type <laughs> shit. I appreciate you guys. This is where I'm going to give a proper send off. I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for the support you guys have always shown me. I made this episode this long because you guys deserve it. And I very much, I love the idea that I get to come into a space where I express the things that are on my mind that I may not have a chance to do with the people that are in my lives, family, or anything like that. Honestly, this is a safe space for me. The same way you guys utilize it, I utilize you guys to grow and to understand myself more. So that. I appreciate you guys, and this new year, I plan on doing a lot with this, and I'm not going to have school in the way for a good amount of it, so the second half of this year, I promise, a lot will come from this podcast, or me in general, so this first half of it, just let me work, let me build things, and I promise you guys will have something beautiful to trust. I love y'all. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs>